Okay, good morning. Well, I hope you had an amazing Christmas. Uh, I'm sure most of you are coming off of back-to-back events with family and friends. And uh, Pastor Matt already did this, but I want to say that you are truly awesome for coming to church today. I am so proud of you. Uh, We had a service last Sunday. We had another service on Monday. Feels like just a few days later we have another service. Did any of you come to all three of those services in the last week? Anybody? Oh, yeah. That is fantastic. Awesome. And all of you pressed through the snow this morning. And so thank you so much for being here. Uh, So proud of you. Today I'm not going to communicate a Christmas message. We had all these Christmas boxes, gifts on the stage before service. And Kate was like, get them off the stage. It's not Christmas anymore. Get them off. Um, We are moving on into 2019. And so there's fresh vision. And with that, there is a new goal that we are pressing on toward today. Uh, Pastor Matt and I are doing a two-part New Year's series called Let Go and Let God. Let go and let God. I'm going to be talking about things today that we need to let go of. And uh, Pastor Matt is going to be picking up next week with things that we need to let God take care of. Very often God calls us to let go of things before he gives us new and better things. There's, there's like a, a releasing before there's an, an embracing of the next thing that God has for us. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but one of the things that I am trying so hard not to do is to get weighed down by things that God doesn't care about. Weighed down by things that God doesn't care about. There are things sometimes that I pick up and they're a burden to my relationship with Jesus and to the purpose that he has for my life. In Philippians chapter 4 and verses 7 to 14, the Apostle Paul is talking about uh, casting off excess weight, getting rid of stuff in order to know God more. Uh, Verse 7 of that passage says, Whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Forgetting what is behind, this is verse 13, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Church, this is the point of my message today. There are things that we need to let go of. We're going to leave them in 2018, and I believe that when we do, we'll be better, uh, we'll be free, we'll be happy, we'll be more efficient more on purpose with things that God really cares about. Amen? So this message is called Let Go, and let's begin with a word of prayer. All right? God, thank you for your church. God, what a joy to worship this morning. And God, I pray that as we talk about things that we need to let go of, God, I pray that the declaration throughout would be, Lord, you are good. You are good. You are sufficient. You are our satisfaction. You are everything we could ever need. God, not that stuff is bad, not that we don't sometimes get weighed down by the things of the world, but God, we just thank you that you supersede that. You were better than all of that, God. And so, Lord, help us to embrace your goodness today in Jesus' name. God, speak today in a way that Pastor Peter cannot speak. He, he can share words on a page, but Holy Spirit, would you speak powerfully to your church? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Okay, so I have some props up here. Uh, this is the benefit of having a wife that works at a sand company. 
Although I'm going to make fun of my wife because my wife has worked at Target Products in Morinville for going on six years, half of which has been maternity leave. So God has been so good to us, three children, uh, three maternity leaves, but nonetheless, we got employee discounts on the sand. I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to use these props to let you know my points today. Now, in order to do that, I have a helper. His name is Josh McManus, and he is going to come to the stage. Are you, Josh? He's debating. I don't know. Come on up, Josh. Give him a hand as he comes. Come on. <laughs> Woo! Now, for those of you who don't know Josh and his wife, Chelsea, we had a commissioning service for them a few months ago. These are sponsored missionaries of the Father's house. These are homegrown missionaries. I grew up with Chelsea. Uh, Josh and I, like, we're in youth group together. Like, it's amazing what God is doing in this young couple. Uh, Josh and Chelsea just got back from Brazil, where they're learning Portuguese, and uh, in preparation for life on the missions field. They speak Portuguese in Mozambique, Africa? Yes. yes. That, that was a learning thing for me. That's amazing. Now, let me tell you about Josh before I put Josh to work. Um, Josh is healthy. Man, he's fit. And he is especially good at running. And I'll tell you how I know that. Uh, a few years ago, I ran a half marathon with Josh. That's 21 kilometers. And Josh was kind enough to be my running buddy for about the first half of it anyways. And I've, I thought that we were fairly matched, you know, like we're similar physique, I got a little more muscle, but, but then randomly, we're, we're running along this 21K, and Josh looks over at me as I'm breathing heavily, and I'm dragging my feet, and he goes, uh, Peter, I'm just going to go, okay, <laughs> and so he takes off, and I'm like, what is going on, I just lost my running buddy, I was like, Josh, come back here, but he was long gone, and Josh, you finished that half marathon a full 20 minutes before me, and I'm still a little bit bitter about that. <laughs> but my point is, is that Josh is swift. He's fast. He's going to be running the African plains with the gazelles. I know it. That's what Josh is going to do. But what I'm wondering is if Josh would be as quick if he were weighed down, if he were weighed down. So uh, Josh and I talked about this. You're going you're gonna to do some laps for us, okay, Josh? Uh, Josh, is, Josh is running. Here's Josh. He's pressing on toward the goal, running the race with endurance. Uh, he's going to win the prize. Come on, Josh. Cheer him on, church. Come on. He's doing a good job. Yeah. Awesome. But then suddenly, Josh begins wanting a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. Here you go, Josh. Josh begins wanting things. He is wanting material things. He's wanting treasures, financial gains, you know, all the things that money can buy. And so what happens is desire sets in. This sandbag right here represents desire. Keep running, Josh. Come on. Josh begins feeling the weight of desire. And so he goes on a spending spree. He accumulates a whole bunch of things that he doesn't need. You're not going to need that on the mission field, Josh. What are you doing, man? What are you thinking? But even so, he, he racks up his credit card. He's in debt. But he's determined these things are not going to weigh him down. But then, Josh finds himself distracted. Oh, man, Josh. Distraction. Okay. Keep running the race, buddy. <laughs> 
He's healthy. He's fit. Run the race with endurance, Josh. Uh, This sandbag represents distractions, work expectations, social obligations, vacations, Facebook notifications. Dear God, Josh, what are you thinking, man? Uh, Sports, Netflix, politics, Justin Trudeau, you name it. He is so distracted and pulled in every direction. And it just adds that much more weight to the burden that Josh is carrying. But, well, look at him go. He's going around the piano. Josh is God's man. Amid keeping up with the news and all of his social media accounts and long list of things that Chelsea has for him to do, Josh squeezes in five minutes to read his Bible. It's not much, but he's trying. He's running the race with endurance. But then things get really bad for Josh. Because Josh experiences disappointment. Run the race with endurance. (laughs) Go run the race, man. Josh has been lied to. He's been deceived and taken advantage of. It's been a tough year for Josh. He's been betrayed and abandoned, experienced failure and unmet expectations. Oh. And so Josh stops. He stops. Give me a hug, man. Wow. Holy. Oh, we need to pray for Josh. We need to pray for him. But Josh wonders if there's a better way to live his life. You know, free of desire, distraction, disappointment. Give him a hand. He's going to be sore later. Holy. Dropped all my sand on this. (laughs) Chelsea, give him a massage, okay? He's going to need that. Now, that was perfect timing, Josh. Let me tell you the good news about about Josh. Josh is actually one of the most disciplined people that I know. It's kind of ironic that I'm picking on him in my sermon. He's not weighed down by stuff, and that's actually true about Chelsea as well. Both of them have let go of a lot of things in order to embrace life as missionaries. Amen? But Josh helped me communicate a really important point today, and, and that's that we live in a culture that carries stuff. We carry heavy things with us. And all the while, God is saying, run the race with endurance. Press on toward the goal. Win the prize. Uh, Desire, distraction, disappointment. These are things that we carry. How many of you know that we live in a culture? We live in a society that actually admires people for how much they can carry. We do that, honestly. I feel guilty when somebody tells me about their 60-hour work week. It makes me feel really lazy. I feel bad when people tell me about the hundreds of things that they manage and multiple social media accounts and emails and all these things. I say, wow, that person has a ton of capacity. That's amazing. I wish I had that. And like many people in our society, I give attention to people who have experienced disappointment. And it's actually not wrong to give attention and love and care to those people. But we live in a culture where disappointed people sometimes feed off of that attention a bit too long. They live in the disappointment. They rehearse it. They remind themselves of it. And this might sound a bit odd, but to a degree, it actually brings admiration from other people. People say, that that individual has sure gone through a lot. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for them. That experience, that situation, what they're carrying, they are so strong. Wow. But let me tell you, there's a problem with these responses. There's a problem with admiring people 
for the things that they carry. We may think it's admirable when someone can carry a lot, but church, it's not admirable if they're carrying the wrong things. It's not admirable at all. Sometimes we think it's noble. Wow, look at that. It is if they're carrying the right stuff. Maybe like some of you, I need to change my mind about what is admirable. Because having a lot of things, busy schedules, full calendars, nonstop notifications, emails, and even people's ability to bear up under the weight of challenges, church, it's not always admirable. It isn't. It's not always admirable. Ultimately, we want to live lean. We want to live clean. We want to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what actually matters, more of what God cares about. Amen? Amen. So my first point to you is let go of desire. Let go of desire. Now, to clarify that, I'm not talking about good desires because we see that in the Bible too. We see good and we see bad because the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord your God and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so the Bible talks about good and righteous desire that comes from loving the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. The Bible also says in Ephesians that we are to put off our old self, which is corrupted by deceitful desires. Put those off. Right from the beginning of the Bible, uh, we see a lie that people still believe today. And this is a lie, church, that you need to resist with every fiber of your being. Resist this. In the first pages of Genesis, uh, the enemy comes to the first man and woman in the form of a serpent. He comes as a snake, and he convinces Adam and Eve that God is withholding. Man, that is the birthplace of desire right there. God is withholding from you. What God has provided is not enough. In that story, God says, you may eat of any tree in the garden, all except one tree. This was a test of their free will. And of course, we know uh, the end result of that story. The man and the woman disobey God, and they eat from that one tree. They believe the lie that what God has given is not enough. What God has given is not enough. And so it is today. Every human being since the beginning of time has this inclination inside of them to believe that what they don't have is what they need. That what they don't have is what they need. Our culture puts it this way. Our culture says more is always better. More is always better. More is always better. This is why we pack our basements. This is why we have full garages. More is always better. Church, more is not always better. It isn't. I want to give you a personal example um, in a way that I've learned this in my own life. I've learned this lesson actually very recently with caffeine and with sugar. All right, so Pastor Rick will know what I'm talking about because he knows my drink at Starbucks. Um, now, I'm actually embarrassed to tell you this story, but, you know, being a pastor is all about being vulnerable, right? Um, up until about a year ago, I was in the habit every Wednesday morning before work of going to Starbucks, and, and bear with me, this is quite a title, I'll explain what it is. I would have a quad grande Americano Misto with two pumps caramel, two pumps white mocha, whipped cream, and caramel drizzle. Did you catch that? All right, let's okay, try it again. Quad grande Americano Misto with two pumps caramel, two pump white mocha, whipped cream, and caramel drizzle. <gasps> Now, for those of you who have no idea what that is, that's like, that's four shots of espresso, probably a half a cup of sugar, a <laughs> little bit of water, a little bit of steamed milk. 
Now, for the most part, I stopped having that drink. I did. But two weeks ago, you know, Christmas is coming up. I'm getting excited. I decided to give this thing a shot. Um, And so it had been a few months since I'd had one at Starbucks. I ordered this colossal drink from Starbucks. I had a free reward. It's like a $9 drink. It's ridiculous, but I got it for free. Um, And I drank about a third of it on my way home with my wife. And my body literally could not handle it. Like, my body was like, oh, no. I started getting really jittery. I actually got dizzy. I remember even looking over at my wife and being like, oh, I, I feel so dizzy right now. And my body was just completely rejecting the caffeine party <laughs> happening in my gut. So much so that it actually took me three days to finish that drink. But I finished it. <laughs> I put it in the fridge, and I had to work on it for a few days. Now... Now, church, before you judge me, because some of you are just like, Peter, what are you doing, man? That's ridiculous. I finished my drink. I want to challenge you with something. The truth is, is that we all have our own quad grande Americano Misto, two-pump caramel, two-pump white mocha with whip and caramel drizzle. You're like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You have one. We all have one. I want you to imagine right now you standing at the counter of your life. You're at the counter, and you're about to place an order. Your wallet's in your hand. Maybe you have a free reward, and you're excited. And you're staring with big eyes at the options before you. (sighs) With whip and caramel drizzle, right? I'm going to upsize. Bigger is better. More is better. What I don't have is what I need. Something inside of you says more is always better. Now, I want to tell you that this looks different for each and every one of us. It could be clothes, it could be vehicles, it could be vacations, meals at restaurants, stuff for the house, uh, you know, tools for the garage, video games. What is it for you? What's your quad grande Americano Misto? I want you to hear me right now. It's really important that I clarify this. It's not that God's against you having things. God is not against you having stuff. But God is against stuff having you. He's not against you having stuff. He's against stuff having you. There's a big difference. I believe that it is possible to be extraordinarily wealthy and to have really nice things and to still have your heart in such a good place. And I've seen it before where some of the poorest people in our culture today are actually some of the most entitled people. This has nothing to do with how much you have. Sometimes rich people get a bad rep from the masses. But I know that rich people who are so generous, extraordinarily generous, and I actually know poor people who are the same. They're lower income, but they would give the shirt off their back. They are so generous. This has nothing to do with how much you have. This is about your heart. Let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Where your heart is, there your treasure is also. And so let go of desire. What is it to let go of the weight of desire? This is about letting go of an attitude and a way of life that is controlled by want. I was even praying about it this week over Christmas. It's kind of hard to pray that prayer over Christmas. (laughs) But Lord, save us from want. Save us from want. Uh, You know, an attitude where desire runs so deep that there isn't much room for anything else, especially the things of God. And so we need to let go of desire of that kind because just like a caffeine high, I'm talking about my caffeine high, 
the things that we desire can actually inhibit us. They can. They can disorient us. They can make us jittery and dizzy and disorient us from seeing clearly and behaving as the people that God wants us to behave as. There's a story in Luke chapter 12. There's two brothers. One of them shouts out at Jesus, and he says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me, shouting at Jesus. Clearly, these two brothers had come into some money. Jesus, knowing the heart of the brother, said to him, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I want this to speak to your heart today, church. There's no life. There's no life there when you're greedy. There's no life when you're constantly craving, lusting, desiring after things. Very often people that live their lives like that, they're actually the most miserable people because they believe that the next purchase will make them feel better. It might for a little while, but that insatiable desire for things is actually a heavy burden to carry. The book of James says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. This, this can actually hurt you. This can hurt people that are controlled by want and controlled by desire. And so let go of lust, craving, appetites this year. Let go of desire. I'm going to give you some strategies in just a couple minutes as to how to let go of desire. But I want to talk about the next one, uh, distraction, all right? The word distraction, it actually comes from a Latin word, and this, this blew my mind. It actually means a pulling apart is what the word distraction means, a pulling apart. It refers to a drawing of the mind in multiple directions. Um, most of you will know that it is a fight to stay focused. Has anybody figured that out? It is a fight to stay focused. And I'm addressing the church today. I'm addressing Christians. We don't think about it this way, but it's actually a spiritual fight. It's a spiritual fight to stay focused because every force of darkness in the enemy is trying to distract you from things that really matter. The devil doesn't need to destroy you if he can distract you. Because at least by distracting you, maybe he'll neutralize you. And in the course of your life, you'll end up destroying yourself. There are so many things we could talk about when we talk about distraction. We can, we can entertain distracting relationships, you know, distracting hobbies, things that pull us out of center from where God wants us to be. But to hit on a really big one, because we can only talk about so many things, I want to talk about media for a moment. Media. I was uh, sitting at the counter in my kitchen reading these statistics to my wife this week, and she was getting super freaked out. Um, I was looking at statistics as to how often people look at their phones. How often people look at their phones. People look at their phones for all sorts of reasons. It could be business, social, recreational. Uh, contrary to popular belief, a phone is not just one distraction, church. It isn't. A phone is a gateway to thousands of distractions. People who are 18 to 24, any people here who are 18 to 24, give me a shout out. Woo! Oh, yeah, you guys are like, you're about to embarrass me, Pastor Peter. <laughs> people ages 18 to 24 look at their phones an average of about 74 times per day. That's, um, if you eliminate sleeping time, that is an average of every 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes, we're pulling this thing from our pocket, we're picking it up, we're scrolling, we're checking on things. 
using the same criteria, people ages 25 to 34, that's my age category, we're not much better. We look at our phones about every 19 minutes. People older than that, you guys are way more reasonable. <laughs> it's, about, it's about twice per hour. And so in some cases, as you get older, it just becomes less than that. Twice per hour was above the 34. You might say, you know what, Peter? Having a phone is productive. It's a good thing to have a phone. I work off of my phone. I need my phone. I get it. But even when we don't need a phone, we're actually still addicted to the distraction. There was a separate study that I was reading about. I thought it would actually make the statistic better. There was a separate study on people on vacation. People on vacation who don't have anything productive to do, or at least they shouldn't, vacation makes distraction worse. That's crazy. People on vacations look at their phones an average of 80 times per day. Some people in the study, many of them were so distracted, anxiety somehow brought out, uh, you know, anxiety in them that they looked at their phones over 300 times. That's an average of about every three minutes uh, looking at their phones. And so this is mind-boggling, isn't it? I want you to think about the mental and emotional weight that we carry just because of our access to media. And this isn't me picking on you. I'm right there with you. And I'm being honest with you, I actually get a little bit shaky when my phone's out of reach. Oh, where's my phone? Where's my phone? I know that this is an issue for me. My wife is amening, I'm sure. If we were talking about other forms of media, we could talk about TV, uh, computer, movies, game consoles, music, radio, just taking all media distraction and lumping it in together. Um, they're saying that adults are spending an average of about 11 hours per day on media. Um, watching, reading, listening to, simply interacting with apps. Most of our awake time is spent uh, using some form of media. Um, so we began taking a course this year as staff called Free to Focus. <laughs> Such a good course. Free to Focus. We wanted to take some time to learn strategies for focusing our attention without being pulled apart, because that's what it is to be distracted. It's to be pulled apart. Uh, this leadership expert, Michael Hyatt, was talking about the information age. You and I live in the information age. Anything, everything is immediately accessible. It's just a few clicks away. It takes you seconds, and you're looking at it. And what he said was this. this. This was unbelievable. He said, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. Let that sink in for a moment. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. And so what happens when we have pastors every Sunday being like, you need to pay attention to Jesus. You need to pay attention to your devotions. Man, come on, press in in prayer. A wealth of information creates a poverty of attention. In other words, the more we try to take in, the less focused we'll be. And this draws me back to my previous point. Previous point was everything in our culture says more is better. More is better, more is better, more is better, more is better. What you don't have is what you need. More apps, download more stuff. Good Lord, more is not always better. Could it be that we're not giving attention to the things that really, really matter? I have a friend of mine, uh, his name is Eric. And one of the hobbies that Eric has picked up is walking on a tightrope. Anybody done that before? Just curious, walking on a tightrope? Yeah? Hey, awesome, cool. Uh, and he's gotten really good at it over the years. There's some amazing pictures on Facebook of Eric walking on a tightrope. 
Now, in order to be successful at this, man, you've got to be focused. So focused. And, and I've, I've watched videos of people tightrope walking and whatnot. And what they say is that uh, those who take their eyes off the mark are those who fall. They fall immediately. They look around. They look down. Suddenly, they're not light. They're heavy. Gravity pulls them to the ground. Done. And I want to tell you, church, that it is actually the exact same way in our relationship with Jesus. There's a story in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, and this is about the apostle Peter. And uh, this is an incredible story. Peter and the other disciples are out on the lake in the middle of a storm, and they see Jesus walking on the water. That's cool. And Peter, being the brave one, gets really inspired, and he says, Lord, tell me to come out to you on the water. I want to come. And Jesus actually takes him seriously and says, come. I love that one word in that verse, come. It's like there's power in that verse. Jesus saying, you can do this, Peter. Verses 29 to 31, it says, Peter went over the side of the boat. He walked on the water toward Jesus. And when he saw the strong wind and the waves, I'm going to read that again. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord. Is anybody crying, save me, Lord, this morning? (laughs) Jesus immediately grabbed him and pulled him up. What lessons can we learn about tightrope walking? (laughs) Peter walking on the water. Seriously, I wonder if we actually even comprehend the potential that God has put inside of us. The potential for purpose. The potential for miraculous things, supernatural things. I don't want to fritter my my life away on these things. I, I don't. You and I could achieve amazing, awesome, incredible things if we could learn to tune out the noise of the world. Fix our eyes on Jesus. The Bible says he is the author and perfecter of our faith. We need to let go of distraction because when we do, there's going to be peace in the midst of a storm. Anybody else feel like you're in the midst of a storm? Media, politics, all of it coming together, it's a storm. There's going to be focused attention when we do that. Why is it that so many people are struggling with anxiety in our culture today? Because it's actually going up. More and more people are anxious. I believe that a big part of it has to do with overstimulation. It has to do with distraction. Uh, It comes from being pulled apart in a thousand directions. I'm thinking about my kids right now. (laughs) What do I put before them all the time? And so we're going to talk in a moment about letting go of distraction. But lastly, last one. So let go of desire. Let go of distraction. Let go of disappointment. Disappointment. And as I was crafting this point, I just felt like this is actually for a lot of people. You're reflecting on 2018 and some really hard things happened this year. It was tough. And so I want to ask you, I want you to think about it. Is your heart heavy with disappointment today and in coming into church? I met a lady recently in our church Uh, And she shared with me some of the crushing disappointments that she's experienced recently. And she was actually just sharing with me the testimony of her life. She was raped when she was seven years old. Grew up in a terrible home, was raped many times over in her home. Um, And so she she has terrible depression. She actually has PTSD from those experiences. And, And just a few years ago, this was less than three years ago, she lost five family members in the year. She lost her mom. Uh, her dad, uh, a sister, 
I think a grandparent as well, and one more. And I didn't even know what else to do. I just listened to her, and actually she just began to cry. She began to sob and sob, and she told me about, I'm on so many different medications to try to manage what's going on in my head, what's going on in my heart. And she has a husband, and he's sick. Neither one of them are working right now. She's actually unfit to work because of this stuff. But she's just one story. Honestly, our pastoral team, the calls that we get, the texts that we get all the time, terrible, traumatic situations are happening to people, are happening to Christians. How many people are out of work right now? How many people are struggling financially? How many people are in the hospital? How many people are going through challenges in their marriages? And I say that to say that the weight that people carry is immense. It's huge. And yet in the midst of it, God says, run the race. Run the race with endurance. Press on toward the goal. Win the prize. Come on, go, 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 go. Jesus promises rest. He promises release to disappointed people. The weight of crushing disappointment can be lifted in a relationship with him. I love this verse in the King James Version. And I know that this might be talking about other things, but I felt it applied to my message as well. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want somebody to claim that verse today. Claim that verse for your life. If it's been a heavy season, if it's been a hard go, I believe that God wants to release disappointment this morning. We're going to pray in a little bit. But let's move on to some solutions right now. How are we to let go of desire, distraction, disappointment? And it's really the same principle for all of them. There's something that I've learned in my Christian life, and that's that the laws of heaven are completely opposite to the laws of the world. Anybody else realize that? The laws of heaven are completely opposite. Jesus says, go the other way, <laughs> do the opposite thing. Um, the Bible is always speaking in opposites all the time. And so beginning with the first one, desire. If you want to let go of desire this year because you know there's an issue in your heart, again, this isn't about how much you have because where your treasure is, there your heart is. If you want to let go of desire, I encourage you to be generous. Be generous. It's okay to have stuff, but if stuff has you, come on, give some stuff away. Give it away. If you haven't used it in a few months, you may not need it. If it's just taking up space in the garage uh, or in the basement, give it away. I'm trying to develop this habit personally. I'm just starting out because I'm the kind of person who says, no, don't give that away. We could sell that for 20 bucks. <laughs> That's honestly the way that I think. And my wife is like, quit being so selfish. And then she calls somebody and says, hey, would you be able to use this? It's awesome. It's the same thing with money. Every time we give, every time we tithe, every time we make a donation to missionaries like Josh and Chelsea, uh, we are counteracting a part of us that wants to hoard and keep things for ourselves. Have you ever noticed that we don't have emotional keeping stories? I was almost ready to bless that person, but oh, thank God I didn't. So, so happy I kept that. Oh, I'm going to cry. I was almost ready to give away that thing that I haven't used in six months, but oh, I didn't. Honey, go put it back in the basement. Seriously, thank you, Lord, that we didn't give that. None of you were like that. 
None of you are like that. We don't have emotional keeping stories. We don't. And so give. Because when we give, we are reminded of how extraordinarily generous God is. When we don't give, there's a part of us withholding. There's a part of this that says, I deserve this. Every time I give, it's just this crazy, wacky thing that happens where I go, God, you're so good. God, you're so good to me. You're so good. How is it that when I give, my heart's response is, God, you're so good. That is what happens. I like what Paul says in the book of Timothy. He says, tell those who are rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves, so obsessed with money, which is here today, gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on the riches that we could ever manage, all the riches we could ever manage to do good. Why? To hoard? No, to do good. To be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous, if they'll do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Come on, you want life that is truly life, church? You want life that is truly life? Oh, be generous. And so with that, question, with that verse in mind, I want to ask you a question. And the question is, are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? Or are you investing into eternity what you cannot lose? Are you keeping... On earth, are you accumulating on earth what you cannot keep? Are you investing into eternity what you cannot lose? The Bible talks about building up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Okay, what about distraction? How do we let go? Let go. Let go of distraction. The opposite of opening something is closing something. Yeah. And so you might need to close some things. You might need to limit your access. I want you to think about this. There's a verse um, that I've reflected on for years, and Jesus said it in the book of Matthew. He says, if your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. People read that verse, and they're just like, Jesus, you are so extreme. What are you talking about? If your hand or foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. That's insane. But really what he's saying in a very extreme way is if something is clearly a problem for you, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Cut it off. Now I'm going to share a personal example. You don't all need to be like me because we're different and the Holy Spirit speaks to us differently. But I am not strong enough to have social media on my phone. I'm not. I'm addicted to checking the little red icon thingies. I am. I I can't handle it. I have to check them. And so I made a decision a couple years ago. I've, I've done this for about two years now. I have no social media on my phone. None. No Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, no YouTube, no media. And my wife locked my app store. It's like I'm 10. I love it. <laughs> but ever since then, I don't spend as much time on my phone. Some of you, you need to put your phone away when you get home from work. Guilty. This guy. Guilty. Put it on Do Not Disturb. Some people, some people practice times where there's no TV, there's no music, there's no phones in sight, and this is nuts, but they have dinner together. <laughs> and they talk. And they play board games. I can't Im- I haven't played a board game in years. Imagine that. That is so weird. But let go of distraction. And what came into my heart is the fight you have today will be the freedom you enjoy tomorrow. The fight you have today will be the freedom you enjoy tomorrow. Last one, how do we let go of disappointment? This is huge. 
Uh, one reason why many people carry disappointment, and, and again, this is not me saying you can't be disappointed, because that's just life. We get disappointed. We experience hard things. Some things, like the lady that I was telling you about, you can't even help it. You experience terrible loss. But one reason why many people carry disappointment for longer maybe than they should is because they continually compare their experiences with other people. And so the thought process is always, I am so weak, I am so hurt, it is so not fair, it is so not fair, look at them, oh, oh, and look at what happened to me, look what happened. It's true, it's not fair. What happened to you is not fair. It's terrible that that happened. But if all we do when we're disappointed is we dwell in the disappointment, we dwell in it, what happens is we eventually say, I have a right to carry this. If you dwell on it, I have a right to carry this. I have a right to be angry. I have a right to be bitter. I have a right to be vengeful. I have a right to be sad. Those emotions do not let go of disappointment. They amplify disappointment. They increase the disappointment. But when we press ourselves into Christ, that's where we find comfort, church. There's no sweet way of saying this. I was having a rough go about this message last night. Honestly, I was. And so I sat on the couch with my little baby in my arms, and I turned the worship up. Man, I turned it up, and I sang, and I sang, and I sang, and I sang, and something changed in my heart. Come on. We disarm disappointment when we praise. We disarm disappointment when we praise. And guess what? We actually disarm disappointment when we serve others. Because disappointment makes you want to go in. Serving others makes you want to go out. All right? Uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Some of the people who have experienced the very worst things in life find healing when they help. That's how they find healing. They find healing when they help. God keeps pouring into them. They keep pouring into others. God pours into them. They pour into others. And eventually what happens is they let go of the disappointment. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. Come on up, worship team. I want to pray for you, church. This was a hard message. I don't know it was hard for me to preach. I don't know if it was hard for you to receive but I want to keep it simple and I want to pray for anyone in the room today who says, I need to let go of some stuff. Maybe you're like Josh who eventually just crashed <laughs> and dropped all the sand on the stage. It may be that God wants to, you to let go of a whole bunch of stuff that is cluttering up your world. Um, does everything feel too full for you? You need to clean house. You need to simplify. Man, I'm thinking about taking down that tree and then I'm just going to clean closet and clean up everything. That's, I feel motivated. Maybe your calendar is packed. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe there are too many distractions and you want to break from the noise and the stimulation. Maybe there are disappointments that you are ready to let go of and you're saying, and I, again, this one I believe, people are carrying disappointment in this church. And you're saying, I cannot go into 2019 carrying this anymore. Jesus, I need you to set me free. I need you to give me a fresh vision, a new purpose. I need to come out of myself and serve other people. 
And so if you relate to any of those this morning, let go of desire, distraction, disappointment. I'm not even going to get you to raise your hand. I'm going to get you to stand up. If that's you, you're like, yeah, desire in my heart, distraction in my world, disappointment, stand up. Yeah, I'm standing for sure. And I love this. Some of you hate this, but I love this when the church prays for one another. And so if you're standing and if you're sitting, I just want you to lay your hand on the person next to you, okay? Lay your hand on them and let's be a clean church. Let's live lean. Let's be generous. Come on. Let's be a disciplined church. Hallelujah. Let's be a church that is free from disappointment and depression and and these heavy things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And so God, I bless the Father's house church in Jesus' name. God, that we would have clean hearts. God, that we would let go of want. It is so tempting to crave after everything, God. But Lord, I pray for freedom from that in Jesus' name. God, where there's distraction, like waves on the sea, Lord, we wanna look at those waves. We wanna stare at them and we wanna say, oh, I'm so stimulated, I'm so afraid. Ah, there's so much going on. God, help us to live quiet and simple lives, adoring Jesus, adoring your presence. Hallelujah, God. We bless our church with focus, with focused attention. God, I pray for those who are disappointed. Oh God, that we would come to you. Those of us who are heavy with sorrow, with disappointment, with loss. And God, that we would find comfort from the disappointment. God, help us to look with big eyes at what you wanna do in and through us. Because some of the most wounded people, man, they got a testimony and they can help other people. And so God, I just pray for that, that this would be a servant-hearted church. God, I pray right now for sweet release. Hallelujah, God, in the Father's house, sweet release. God, that we would be different in going different from when we came, lighter God, freer, happier, more on purpose with things that really matter. And the whole church said, amen.